0: Welcome to the Are Menstrual Podcast, where we dive deep into all things women's health to support you on your healing journey. I'm Amanda Montalvo, functional and integrative dietitian, also known as the Hormone Healing RD. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to keep learning, check out the podcast Patreon, where I share a bonus episode with additional downloadable resources each week. You can go to patreon.com forward slash RD or check out the link in the show notes. Welcome to season four of the Ari Menstrual Podcast. I'm excited to be back. We took a little break for the holidays, and so I can kind of regroup and figure out what are we going to focus on next season. And I also made a Patreon, which you probably heard about in the introduction. I'll talk about that in a bit. But lots of exciting things coming this season. We're really doing a deep dive on minerals today. We're going to talk about different types of mineral testing. Then we're going to do deep dives on seven different minerals, calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, zinc, iron, and selenium. And that'll wrap up season 4, but I'm excited we're going to learn a ton. I've been thinking about like how can I make the podcast more digestible? How can I provide more resources and support for the podcast listeners? And that's really where the Patreon came in. I started it in February and I was just looking for a way like how can I connect with the people that listen to my podcast? When you know, when you do an Instagram post, you get immediate feedback. You get questions from people, you get people liking it, not liking it, and you're like, "Okay, cool. Like I can use this information with the podcast." I get feedback online, but I mean, I have people that leave reviews and, you know, reach out on my website and stuff that like, they're not necessarily on Instagram. So I wanted to connect with those people and just have a place where everyone that's listening to the podcast can support each other and I can provide more resources because listening to an episode is great. I'm a very visual person. So I'm like, I would like to like give them something to kind of help them really apply this information. And that's really where the bonus episodes and the PDF resources came in. I was like, I can make a Patreon and then have a place where I can get, provide a bonus episode, give people downloads, give them different resources, and it's all right there and very easy. So that's that's really the format of it. Each week that the podcast is in season, all the patrons get a bonus episode and some sort of resource, depending on the podcast episode and what's applicable. And like for example, this Episode, they're going to get resources on all the different, like where to test your minerals, the different types of testing that I'm mentioning. And I'm going to go through two case studies in the bonus episode to help them just take the information that we talked about and actually apply it. Because I, I feel like once you hear it related to a person in a case, you're like, oh, okay. And then, of course, seeing the actual test, I think, is really helpful too. So, that's what we're going to have up for this week. That's what it's going to look like each week. And when the podcast is not in season, I I have surveys that I'm posting and I'll be making content based off what people want to learn about. So I started it in February and I opened it with, I made a, a monster of a resource. It's a blood testing functional ranges reference guide. So like all your typical blood panels that you would get, but the functional lab ranges, not conventional ranges that... You know, you'd have to be super out of balance to have something be high or low. So many people get their blood work done and they have all these symptoms and their doctor's like, blood work looks good. Everything's normal. And they're like, how is that possible? Like, I feel awful. I know it's happened to me in the past and a lot of my clients. So the functional ranges allow you to take your labs, put them in, see like, oh, this is actually like high for it's trending high or is trending low based on the functional range. And then I go through like what could possibly be at the root of that. So very cool resource. And I'm going to keep doing things based off what people are asking for. As far as like the tiers of the Patreon go, I did make two tiers. So the first tier is $10 and you get access to all the basic stuff. So the bonus episode, the PDF resources, anything like that. And then the exclusive tier, you get access to all content I've ever shared in Patreon. So when you join on the basic tier, you just get access to what's coming that month, which, you know, when the podcast is in season, it's four bonus episodes and four resources. So it's a lot. But if you join at the $20 level, if you say you wanted to get that guide for the blood reference guide and it's March and that was for February, you would still get that guide. Plus I do a monthly Q&A with the exclusive members where you can submit a voicemail question or you could email us it's whatever works for you and I do a pre-recorded Q&A and I answer all those so it's fun we did one Q&A so far it's it's people ask great questions it's really fun for me and it's been great to provide those resources to just support people more on their healing journeys because it can be hard and not everyone can afford to work one-on-one with a practitioner so i'm hoping this will help bridge that gap a little bit all right that's it those are all the updates if you want to join patreon go to patreon.com forward slash hormone healing rd i would love to have you and i look forward to getting to know everyone in there so before I dive into mineral testing, the three different types that we're going to talk about, just a quick reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only. So, I mean, I'm talking about mineral testing today, so there's not like a ton here, but just as always, like I'm a dietitian, but I'm not your dietitian, so just talk with your healthcare provider before you make any nutritional lifestyle changes just to be safe. All right. So, before I go right into mineral testing, I just want to do a Very brief recap of why minerals are important in case anyone is new here, or just you know, if you haven't thought about minerals in a while, or why that this all this information could be applicable to you, we'll just make sure we cover that first. So, minerals can feel complex, and they are. I I don't think that's a bad thing because I feel like people. Think they need to know like what minerals are synergistic with each other, so that just means like what minerals work together and enhance each other's functions, and then what minerals are antagonistic, meaning they can push each other out of balance or impair the absorption or how one's being used in the body. I don't necessarily think we need to know every single intricacy in order to support our minerals, and even just to like appreciate how significant they are. I think we really just need to understand like. Okay, why do these matter in my body? And then what are some simple steps that I can get started supporting them? So, when it comes to why minerals matter, it, I always talk about how they're, they're like spark plugs because they kick off reactions. And sometimes that can be hard to conceptualize. But if you think about it, like if we, th- I, I was doing the calcium episode yesterday. So, <laughs> I'll use a calcium example. There's a lot of different enzymes, which are the spark plugs that I'm talking about. They are what, Carry out different reactions. So, for example, like glycolysis, very fancy way to say that the body is going to use glucose for fuel. We need certain minerals that are going to turn on that enzyme that helps that process carry out. So, if we don't have enough calcium or enough magnesium, that enzyme that works to make that glycolysis process happen, taking that glucose and using it for fuel, then That process either gets slowed down, it doesn't work properly, and at first, our bodies will compensate. And I think this is where things like minerals, hormones, thyroid stuff, even honestly, like gut stuff comes, it can feel like, well, this came out of nowhere. Most of the time, our symptoms on our healing journey have been building for a very long time. Our bodies have already been compensating and trying to make things work with what they have, even if they have some maybe like slight deficiencies or things are starting to like not work properly. That's how smart and adjusting our bodies are. So at first you can think like, oh, like nothing's really wrong. I feel fine. And then all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like so much fatigue. I'm not handling stress well. Maybe you have a ton of period pain, acne, that sort of thing. But if we look back, we can start to see like, oh, actually, you know, like I started like I changed my diet around that time, like a year before, and I felt really good at first. And then like over time, I started to feel worse and worse, you know? And so it's like, if you really look back and I like to have people make like a timeline, like a stress timeline, I'm like, what are all the different stressors that have happened in your life? And... Then, when did you start experiencing symptoms? And when you backtrack, you start to realize, oh my gosh, you know, a year, two years before I got all these crazy symptoms, this is what happened. I had this major stressor happen in my life. I got a divorce. I moved. I got it. I started a new job, you know, and I went back to school. And it's like, okay, well, of course, those things eventually are going to catch up with you. The way that we can help mitigate a lot of that stress is to do things like support our minerals, especially like sodium and potassium, and help our bodies handle stress better. But if we are not being mindful of minerals, if we don't understand how important they are, it's really easy for them to become deficient or get out of balance. And then all those actions don't, rec- don't occur properly. Our bodies can only compensate for so long, and then we've got all these symptoms. And it can feel like a mystery, but I think if you walk it back, you can start to understand like where yours came from. And the symptoms are really looked at as like, this is my root issue. This is such a big problem. How can I fix this? But it's your body asking for help. And I think that can be like a hard thing to hear sometimes because it can affect you so much in your day-to-day, your mental and your physical health, but it's your body like screaming and asking for you to slow down and give it what it needs. And I know firsthand how easy it is to just want to focus on the symptom and look at that as the main issue, right? Like estrogen dominance, maybe someone's like, I've got these painful periods. You know, I, I, my doctor finally did lab testing and I'm estrogen dominant. So I'm going to take DIM, which is a supplement that can help lower estrogen. It supports estrogen detox, but it can lower your levels. So it's not appropriate for everyone. I only use it in very specific cases for short-term symptom relief, but we still would be figuring out where did this estrogen come from in the first place? Your estrogen is high, so why would you take a supplement to lower it rather than trying to figure out What's going on? Because taking DIM can be helpful. It can bring down that estrogen, but it doesn't fix why. And then you stop taking it and then you start to feel worse again. So if we can go one step further and look at, okay, what's foundational for my health, my nutrition, I'm going to maybe test my mineral status so I can see why this estrogen detox maybe isn't working as well, or maybe it's actually high estrogen levels. So you want to look at like thyroid health. Are you ovulating? How's your blood sugar? All that stuff. And minerals can show you all of that. Gut health is huge for high estrogen. You can get a great picture of all those things. So instead of trying to treat the symptom, you're trying to look at where the imbalances are coming from. And I, and I say estrogen dominance because I struggle with that for years. So I get it. I know that it's It's terrible to have really painful periods and to like have to not work on those days or change your plans, reschedule things because you literally can't get out of bed. I know the acne struggle, the gut health struggles. It's really hard. And I was so focused on hormone testing and gut testing. So it's like I was getting there. I was like working more towards a root cause, but I was so focused on how can I lower my estrogen and not why it was high in the first place that I just skipped the foundational step of understanding mineral status. And especially since I was also hypothyroid at the time, I was taking medication for that. I thought that I just didn't have enough thyroid hormone. And then when I finally tested my minerals after one of my colleagues was like, look at this hair mineral test I just did. you know, He's showing me how cool it is. It's like this new thing. We had never heard of it. And I was like, man, I had the copper ID for a long time. I wonder if that messed with... My hormones at all. And then I started doing research and then it was like estrogen and copper have a ton of links. And I finally tested my mineral status and I saw my copper and calcium were way out of balance and it was a huge light bulb moment for me. I was like, wow, this lines up with my thyroid issues, my estrogen dominance issues. And it really took me for a loop because I had skipped over foundational things like that and had been focusing on the more advanced testing like gut and hormone health. But I you know, if I had started with the minerals, I probably wouldn't even have needed that other testing. So this is why minerals are important. They kick off reactions in the body and they really help with that found the foundational just processes that need to carry out. And so if we skip this step, then we are going to be skipping a really huge part of what's actually at the root cause of our health issues. So, that is why minerals are important. Let's go through the three types of mineral testing options. There's a few main ways there's blood work, and I do recommend this for some minerals, like especially iron. Uh, I think it's a really important way to assess iron status, but I don't think it's the best way to look at most minerals. Um, That's mainly because blood is looking outside the cell. And we'll talk about this in more detail in a second. And most minerals are living inside our cells. So it's just not the most accurate picture. It doesn't give you the most significant information for you to actually make a change. Uh, And I think when we're doing lab testing, if we're not going to make a change based off the lab, then it's kind of pointless to do the lab in the first place. So that's one piece of it. Blood work. You can also do urine testing. So I do utilize urine testing for iodine because iodine is not measured in hair. It's not accurate. There are markers that you can use to like get an idea of if you may have an iodine deficiency, but they're not perfect because I've seen plenty of people have iodine deficiencies that didn't have all the markers. So iodine through urine, I don't look at anything else through urine you could. I just don't, I don't think it's necessary. I think it depends on what you're trying to figure out. But for most, the general population, you would not use urine other than for iodine. And then hair testing. So I do utilize hair testing for everyone that I work with. I obviously have the Master Your Minerals course hair testing changed my life and really the trajectory of my healing journey, which I think is important because I was not going down a path where I was going to get to my root cause and actually get rid of my symptoms in a sustainable way. And that's how I found it to work for other people, especially if you start with hair testing. I just think it's like the best way to get started. Sometimes we need further testing, like we need to look more at hormones or usually it's gut health and we need to do that stool testing. But if we don't have the information from a hair test to begin with, I think it's kind of hard to fully understand the someone's entire health picture without the mineral status on your hair test. And that's really showing you the rest of your minerals. So it does have iron, but I would not use it to, solely to assess iron status. And it does not look at iodine, but it has all the rest of your minerals and it looks at heavy metals. So let's go through blood testing first, since if you were to go to your doctor and say, hey, I wanna test my minerals. One, they would probably say like, why? Because unfortunately, most that work in conventional medicine don't even think it's possible for most people to have deficiencies other than iron, right? I feel like that's like the one deficiency where you go to the doctor. If you're like, I have fatigue, they're like, take an iron supplement. And it's like, but you didn't even test my levels. Or it's the only one that they're like willing to really look at. Most of the time, because unless you're like food insecure and it's you don't always have food available to you, typically they're going to assume that... There's, it's not possible for you to have a nutrient deficiency, especially like mineral or vitamin. Like even I think of like vitamin A. I mean, that's such a common nutrient deficiency, especially in women going into pregnancy. Yet we're told to like avoid high vitamin A rich foods and don't take vitamin too much vitamin A in your prenatal or anything like that. Don't eat beef liver because of the vitamin A content. content When and realistically, most women entering pregnancy are deficient in vitamin A, but it's just because we have an abundance of food in our country. If you live in the U.S., we're looked at as like, it's impossible for you to have this. I've also seen this with vitamin C, where it's like really, really low levels for clients and their doctors basically like, it's pretty much impossible for you to have low vitamin C. I'm like, I mean, it's not though. So that I think that's like the pushback and the hard part about asking a conventional provider for something like mineral testing, even if it's via blood work, because usually they're like, well, what am I going to do with the results? Which is a very fair question. Kind of like asking them to practice as a functional medicine provider, even though they don't have that training, which isn't really fair. So That's my whole spiel on like getting the blood test. I don't think it's the best way, but I do think it's really important for iron. And a lot of times people are like, "Well, how come it's not? How can hair testing be like more accurate for minerals than blood?" But when we think about what blood testing is, I think it makes sense because your blood levels are. They're just, they're kept very tight, right? A tight range. Your body regulates them very closely. Like if we think of calcium, which all my examples are going to be calcium because I just did that podcast episode. But if we think of calcium, that is a very tight range that we keep it in in our blood. When it gets too high, we'll excrete more through our urine. When it gets too low, we'll. Excrete less through our urine. So, our body will compensate in different ways, and it does this with all of our minerals. So, if we want to get rid of more, we'll get rid of them through sweat, urine, or stool. If we don't have enough, then we'll take them from other places. So, magnesium or calcium, we'll take them from our bones and teeth. That's where the majority of them are, our tissues. And then, if we have too much, again, the other way that we can get rid of it, get it out of the blood, keep that level quote unquote normal is to store it somewhere in an organ, like excess iron often gets stored in the liver. So, that blood range is, by the time that gets out of range, like it's not like they never do, otherwise we wouldn't do it, but they, by the time your blood work is out of range, especially for a mineral, that means that your body has already been compensating in a ton of different ways for a while before then. So it's not like it's completely useless, but if you're someone that maybe you don't feel great, you go to your doctor, you share your concerns, and you're, you're like, I want to do some testing, let's do blood work. And everything comes back normal, like that's what I would keep in mind is like, you're not crazy. It could just mean that it hasn't gotten out of balance in the blood yet because your body's still compensating. So that's the blood piece. I think there are two caveats to that. So, one way you can get around some for some minerals like magnesium is to look at the red blood cell measurement. So, most blood work is looking at serum or plasma levels for whatever the mineral or the marker is, like if you're looking at BUN or something like that, like your typical blood panel that your doctor would order. So that is like a really tiny percentage of most minerals. Like if we think of like magnesium, for example, 0.3% is in our serum. And if if your doctor runs a magnesium, it's always going to be serum unless it says RBC next to it. And that would be like the red red blood cell version of magnesium. So it's looking at how much magnesium is inside a red blood cell, which is better. And I do think it's a pretty accurate way to look at magnesium status, especially if you're using functional ranges, which we'll talk about in a second. But it's still not perfect because most of our magnesium is in mitochondria and red blood cells don't have mitochondria. So that's just something to keep in mind. And red blood cell measurements are very expensive. So if you do, like you can get red blood cell panels and stuff, but it's like, I mean, if you're doing a bunch of labs, it can be like $800 and sometimes more. So it's like, is that worth it? To me personally, I wouldn't do it. So, but you can do it for some, like I do, like I have plenty of clients that will get magnesium red blood cell if They're trying to understand if their magnesium status is improving, like based on what we're doing and say they don't want to do a whole nother hair test. That is definitely an option just because it's going to be way more accurate than like a serum level. The other caveat is that you could use functional lab ranges and... It's basically, it's the same blood test, but you're just taking those results and instead of comparing them to like the lab reference ranges, you'd be comparing them to functional ranges. And reference ranges, they they can vary lab to lab, so keep that in mind. But most of them are defined as a set of values that 95% of the normal population falls within. And that means you can have healthy and unhealthy people come within that same normal reference range so like you could have someone that's healthy and like that, that could be like an optimal level for them, but someone that's unhealthy. And so maybe that's not optimal for them. And it's, you're supposed to say, okay, uh, so mine is normal. You know, it's, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, it's a big, usually they're wide ranges. And yes, like most of, people would fall within it. And if you're really, really sick, you'll probably fall out of it. But it's like a lot of people now are trying to be more proactive about their health and they're trying to not settle or deal with debilitating symptoms until they can't do it anymore. They're trying to like, okay, let me be a little proactive. Let me see if there's any lab tests that I can do. And then they're disappointed when they get the labs back and they're normal. If you use a functional range, that's going to show the ranges that are optimal based on the organ system. So are those nutrient levels actually optimal to support you know red blood cell formation, iron circulation, that sort of thing? are you know if I think of like if you they have functional ranges for like liver enzymes and stuff like that, a lot of the times they're not marked low like I know a lot of people are worried about them being high, but they can actually be low because a lot of liver enzymes require minerals like zinc in order to function optimally, so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we don't want to be necessarily like low either. Like we want to see a tighter range and that's what functional labs do. Instead of having this wide range, it's usually a smaller range and it's based on what's going to help that organ system, depending on the lab, function optimally versus like what do we accept as normal in society? (laughs) Like, and it could be like healthy or not healthy. And I think the other thing is like how you're interpreting those labs matters. So like if you have, most of us have Done labs a number of different times. Unless you're a practitioner, you may not be looking back and comparing your labs. Oftentimes, people will be like, Oh, yep, got my lipid panel, it was normal. And I'm like, Okay, was it the same as your last one, or do we have changes there? So, you always want to look at your patterns because you can even functional ranges too. I would do this because you can have. Normal levels or within optimal range levels, but if if there's a trend that's happening for you, like I think that's really important to recognize. So, for example, like say someone had they're like watching their cholesterol, they saw like a slight increase, or their doctor told them that it was like technically high because it maybe their total cholesterol was like right at two hundred, but and they had maybe it was a new doctor or they hadn't seen this one before. But then we go back and look. So then they're freaking out, right? Especially like a lot of people I work with will like, they'll take that information to heart. And they're like, okay, well, I've been working on this, this, and this. So like, why is this getting worse? Which is a very understandable reaction. And then we go back and I'm like, nope, your cholesterol has been this level for the last 10 years. you know. So it's like, you have to keep everything in context to you. So even though functional lab ranges can be a great way to utilize blood work, especially especially like things that are actually covered by your insurance, which I feel like is so hard to find these days that you're not paying out of pocket for. Like a functional lab test, you are going to have to pay out of pocket most likely. You want to be able to utilize the functional ranges, but you still have to keep it in context to yourself. So like if you're TSH or something, like say your TSH was always like 0.5, 0.5, 0.5, and then like it's two, technically it's still within the optimal range, but that's like a trend you'd want to pay attention to. And that's just a thyroid marker. So we can use functional ranges. We can do red blood cell versions of blood work, but I still don't think that it's the best way to assess your mineral status other than to definitely look at iron status that way. So it's really important for iron labs we're going to get into more details on this, like when we, we do the deep dive on iron, but clinically, I don't think it's going to be the most useful way to be like, okay, here's my minerals status. This is what I'm going to do differently. It's probably not going to give you a lot to change in your day to day. And Rick Fisher, he's the creator creator of the mineral mastery program. He, I love this quote from him where it's just like a good reminder because sometimes as a practitioner, you're like, well, we could use those blood labs because you want to like, you know... Meet people with where they're at, but you know, hair testing would be more optimal. He always says, Our biochemistry happens in the cell, not in the blood transport system. Because even red blood cell measurements, it's not. Perfect. It doesn't have that mitochondria. So, and I just don't think that could be more true. So, if you're ever kind of wondering, like, why can't I just look at blood work? It's really because it's tightly controlled. It's not going to show you the mineral status inside the cell, which is what we're trying to see. And it most likely isn't going to give you the most to do clinically, like in your day to day. All right, let's talk about urine testing. So, we went through blood, we'll talk about urine, and then we'll get into hair. Urine testing, I feel like is not very popular. I don't use it a ton. I do use it for iodine though. That is the one marker that I do like to see in the urine because the 24-hour iodine loading test has been shown to be the most accurate. And that's when you take... A dose of iodine before you start collecting your urine samples, and you collect them for a whole 24 hours. And then you like shake up the sample, you write down all these measurements, and then you isolate a, a spot amount of it. That's it's the most accurate way to look at iodine testing because it's looking at how much you're excreting in the urine. So if you're the more you're excreting, the better your iodine status is because you took that iodine tablet. Remember, our bodies will regulate the mineral levels based on what's going on in the body. So if we have too much, we'll get rid of more. If we don't have enough, then we're going to retain most of that iodine and we won't have it leaving in the urine as much. So you want to see more is the goal because obviously we don't want people to be iodine deficient, but sometimes it is nice to have an answer as to like, how come my don't feel better when I take thyroid medication. You know, how come I don't notice a difference? Or if you're just have a ton of fatigue, but your thyroid labs are technically normal or they're just out of the optimal range, but they're not bad enough to go on medication, that sort of thing. Iodine's really useful. I will say it's not the, I don't immediately do an iodine test. So, I like to focus on the macro minerals first. So that's calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium. And those are the minerals that are going to have the biggest impact on all the rest. I'll link a podcast episode that I have on them from season one. And it's really when we can optimize these as much as possible with like food, any like food supplement changes, then that's going to set us up for success with all the rest of our mineral concerns. Because remember, minerals are synergistic. So if we can work on these macro minerals, it's going to help some of our other levels. So I don't go to iodine first. I also don't go to iodine first because when you utilize iodine supplementation, which I do with a lot of my clients, I've done it myself, I have a whole iodine podcast that I'll put in the show notes. And I talk about iodine a lot on my pregnancy journey episodes because it was a really big part of maintaining my thyroid health throughout pregnancy and postpartum. I- iodine was like a life changer for me. But I don't start there because it does support thyroid hormone production and use. And if you don't have the metabolism to back that up and the energetic resources in the body, like say, you're just your body's still super stressed, you're deficient in a lot of other nutrients, especially like sodium and potassium and calcium. You wouldn't necessarily want to start taking iodine right away. You'd want to support you, one number one your food are you eating enough? Are you eating regularly? How's the stress look in your life? Like, you don't want to start iodine if you're in a super stressful season, you're not eating consistently, maybe you're under eating some days and not on other days, you know. St- You haven't figured out the exercise thing, like maybe you're still addicted to like exercising constantly. We don't want to add iodine to like an already stressful situation. It's not going to help, but it is really helpful when someone has been working on the foundations and putting other Minerals first, and then they're in a place where they're like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely feeling better. I've seen these improvements, but I still have these main concerns, especially when it's related to like thyroid labs, thyroid health in general, fertility. I just think it's so important for fertility. So many people enter pregnancy in an iodine deficient state, and our, our thyroid works so hard uh, during pregnancy and postpartum. So I think it's really important in that season of life. And then that way, then you can start working on it and addressing it. I think one thing we want to keep in mind when it comes to iodine testing is that halogens can impact those test results. So halogens are other compounds that are basically have the same chemical structure as iodine. So think iodine, think chlorine, fluorine, and then bromine. They all have a very similar chemical structure, so they can bind to iodine receptors in the body. So for this reason, if you have a lot of halogens, like if you've had a lot of chlorine exposure, a lot of fluoride exposure throughout your life, then you can actually get those iodine test results back and have your levels look really good because those iodine receptors already have another halogen bound to it. So your body's going to get rid of that iodine that you took before you did the loading test. So you can get false positives. You can Test for halogens with the urine test. I personally don't add this on because half the time I never see them out of range. What I prefer to do is have someone salt load before they do an iodine test, which is when you utilize a small amount of salt a couple times a day, two weeks before you do an iodine test, and that will help clean off some of the halogens from the iodine receptors. And if you're in the bonus episode, I'm going to go through exactly how to do salt loading because it's a process, and then I'll have like written instructions for you guys too. And you can join patreon.com forward slash hormone healing RD if you want to get access to that. But if you do that first, that I found that, like, I had someone do, they did their iodine test because we wanted to see. She's like, I I don't think I've had a lot of halogen exposure, but she didn't want that to impact her results. So, she got a test and then I got her another test and we're like, let's just see the difference between like her doing it off the bat. And then she redid it with salt loading. It was a significant difference. And I was like, well, thank goodness we did this. And ever since then, I'm like, everyone's going to salt load because I want to get an accurate picture of iodine. Like, again, what's the point of doing the test if it's not going to change what you're doing? So that is urine testing. They do also have organic acids testing, which is oat or oat tests. A lot of people utilize these for nutrient status markers because they're looking at byproducts. So basically it's measuring byproducts. And so if if there's like a certain level of them, then it could indicate an imbalance in different vitamins and minerals. You can also look at like, you know, fungal markers, gut health, that sort of thing, digestion, all that stuff. They're cool, but I don't I don't again like I I don't think I learn a ton more from an oat test that I wouldn't learn from like hair testing, urine and blood. Like to unless if I do have someone with a very significant mental health concern, health history, I I do like to do oat testing, but they require a very skilled practitioner to interpret it and apply it to you without giving you a billion supplements and just to help it make sense if you do have a mental health concern. So I think they can be helpful, but I don't it's not one that I'm necessarily using for minerals. But I, I figured someone's probably gonna ask about it. So that is the oat test is technically a urine test and it can give you information on micronutrients, but I don't think it's the most applicable for most people. If you're listening to this episode and wondering if you may have a mineral imbalance, you can head to the description of this podcast or my website, hormonehealingrd.com, and take my mineral imbalance quiz. It will give you a rating of low, moderate, or high risk based on your answers to questions mostly related to symptoms that you may be having. And from there, you can take my free mineral training. That is really where I recommend everyone start with supporting their minerals. It's going to walk you through three ways you can start doing this at home today. All right, let's talk about hair testing. We'll wrap it up with hair mineral testing. This is my favorite way to look at mineral status. So blood work is, I really like using for iron panels. Urine testing I use for iodine. And then hair testing I use for the rest of your minerals. So hair testing is going to look inside the cell. That's why hair tissue, we're looking inside the tissue. And that is really showing us what our mineral status is. How our minerals are being utilized. Sometimes we see high levels on a hair test. And that can mean that you are using up a lot of that mineral, like magnesium, for example, very common to see high magnesium on a hair test. It's just a sign that your body is stressed and it's using that magnesium. We can also see high levels. That's a sign that you have too much of a mineral, like calcification. For example, if calcium is really high, especially if it's like above 170, you can get what's called a calcium shell, and that can lead to unwanted health concerns with like muscle cramping. You can experience like higher blood pressure. Usually high calcium is going to lower your magnesium, which can lead to blood pressure, hypertension issues. It can also lead to heart health concerns. I I did a whole episode on cholesterol that's so important for our heart health, but I think we overlook things like calcium and calcification, which also really increases our risk of heart disease, heart attack, and stroke. So things like that, that would be a big red flag to be like, okay, am I taking calcium supplements? Am I taking too much vitamin D that can raise calcium and cause calcification like that? Too low a vitamin D can also cause calcification. So it's like Goldilocks finding the right amount. And then, I mean, I really like to look at things like potassium because potassium, 98% of it is inside the cell. And I would say that's one mineral that is just so looked over and just underappreciated. When it's so important for blood sugar, it can literally shuttle glucose into our cells. And then it's really important for thyroid health too, amongst many other things. So it's one of those minerals where I'm like, we could all use a little more potassium. Obviously, unless you have like end-stage kidney disease, but again... I'm a dietitian. I'm not your dietitian. So talk with your healthcare provider. I think most people could use more potassium though, especially from food. And that is one that is really hard to see out of range on blood work. And by the time it is, I've had clients that have had very, very low potassium on blood work and it's like, can't even be read on their hair test. It's so low. So Really great for looking inside the cell, especially our intracellular minerals, and then seeing our stress response, right? Instead of just seeing like if something high or low, we can see, okay, if if sodium is super, super high and really a way higher than potassium, like you're probably in that first stage of stress, that alarm stage. What can we do to reduce that stress response and support your body out of that, nutrient-wise and also like, you know, lifestyle-wise. Or is your potassium really, really high and then your sodium starting to go down? That's a sign that you could be more in like the exhaustive stage of stress or just low minerals in general can be a sign. So it's one of those things where you get a lot of insights into like your stage of stress, how you're responding to stress. Are your minerals replenished? Are they depleted? Do you have some that are too high that could be causing certain symptoms or health issues? And can we make nutrition or supplement adjustments based on that information? I just get so much information from my hair test. I also really, really like that it looks at the last three months. I think that really sets it apart from other lab tests, like blood is a moment in time. 24 hour urine test is 24 hours. But even I, like Dutch hormone testing is over 12 hours. It, with a hair test, it's it's really rare that you get information for a three month period. So I love that. And I think it's really helpful when you're making health choices. And I, there's just so many things where we're like, you know, I think of like period concerns. Like someone's like, oh, I had really bad cramps this period. What did I think I didn't change anything I did this cycle like where did it come from it's like well what did you do the last three cycles because the last 100 days impacts your current cycle so it's that's why I, I think hair testing is so appropriate when we're looking at thinking about hormone concerns and just extra helpful in general I do think that the interpretation of the hair test is very important and i I, I think that this is why a lot of people do not use hair tests in their practice like Actual providers because they don't understand it, and I think this is where like the accuracy issue comes in too. There have been many studies done that it, that it is very accurate for trace minerals, especially not for other nutrients, but specifically for minerals. But then there's also like people that say only quacks use hair tissue mineral analysis, and it's like well. <laughs> What if you actually understand the science and you're taking that information and using biochemistry and physiology and then making recommendations based off that. I don't think that's like quackery. You know, I mean obviously it prevents, depends on the provider, but I think most people don't know how to read it. They see a high level and they're like, "Oh my gosh, they have too much zinc." And it's like they that could be a loss of zinc though. And if you check their blood, you may see low zinc, but most likely they have very low magnesium, which is why they're using up the zinc. So if you can find someone that knows how to read it, or I have my course that teaches you how to interpret your hair tests and make changes off of it, I think that's really, really important because I feel like that's where the discrepancy with like, is this accurate? Is this useful? Is this real? Comes in because like it, it is helpful, but it's not as straightforward as like, oh, you have a high level or a low level. It's Okay we don't want to just look at this one mineral. We want to compare it to all the rest of your minerals. Like I would never just look at a high calcium and then be like, we got to we gotta just do this one thing to bring that calcium down. It's like, well, magnesium affects calcium and so does boron and so does copper. So that's the beautiful part of a hair test is you get to look at all those different levels like side by side. And I'll just do a quick screen share of an example of like what the report looks like. While I'm thinking of it. So this is what a hair mineral test looks like. It's two pages. I'm going to go through this test and one other one inside of the bonus episode in Patreon. But you can see this purple chart here. These are the main, like the majority of our minerals are here. We also have heavy metals right next to it. There's additional elements in the green box. And then on the second page, we've got significant ratios toxic ratios and some additional ratios. The most important are the nutritional elements box, the heavy metals, and then the significant ratios. I do think that certain things like rubidium can be helpful on the green box, but for the most part, that's where we're focusing. But this is what it looks like. So this middle section here, the green, I mean, the white boxes These are technically optimal. Like this line here is the ideal range. So you can see, like sometimes we have really high levels of minerals and sometimes we have lower levels. We wouldn't take these as, like, okay, this is literal. Like this person should stop taking their magnesium supplement. They should they probably, they have too much calcium. They shouldn't have calcium from food, which spoiler alert, calcium from food doesn't give you calcification only from supplements. We'll talk about that in episode two. But you know, like you wouldn't make recommendations. They shouldn't have salt, you know, because the sodium is high. You wouldn't make recommendations like that. And so I think this is where the confusion comes in and where you have to make sure you're working with a provider that understands how to interpret the test properly and not like freak out. Like even with heavy metal, Like a lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, I have very high levels. Yes, you want to look at what is your current exposure to heavy metals and address that for sure. But I also look at, okay, well, how's your selenium? Because selenium is a really, really important mineral for removing heavy metals in the GI tract. So this person has lower selenium, so that would probably be one of the first things I worked on because their uranium is high, ca- uh, arsenic is high, aluminum is a little high. Magnesium is also really important for heavy metals. And this person's is very high, which means they're using a lot of it. You know, I would look at are they replacing that magnesium with supplement because magnesium is harder to get from food. But there's, there's so many takeaways you can get from a hair test. You can also look at the ratios. So these show you, these compare to different systems in the body. So like your calcium phosphorus ratio, this first one, this is your nervous system ratio. And then we've got your sodium potassium ratio. This is looking at like stress. A lot of people call it the vitality ratio. It's comparing those two minerals. And when they get out of balance, it can show you like, are you currently under a lot of stress or is your body compensating or is it exhausted? And then your calcium-potassium is the thyroid ratio because those two minerals play a huge role in how you are able to utilize thyroid hormone and iodine. And then zinc and copper, these are very synergistic, but they're also antagonistic minerals, and so you want to have them in balance. So there's a ratio comparing those two. Sodium-magnesium is the adrenal ratio. This is because those two minerals are very tied to our adrenal function. When it's higher, it's a sign that you're under a lot of stress. Your adrenals are working hard. When it's lower, it's a sign that you're more depleted. And then our calcium-magnesium is our blood sugar ratio because calcium is really important for insulin secretion from our beta cells, and magnesium is really important for insulin sensitivity and many other things, glycolysis, all this stuff. Using glucose for fuel, both of them are. So when we see imbalances in these minerals, it can definitely affect how sensitive we are to insulin, if we can release insulin, which is going to impact our blood sugar. And then there's an iron-copper ratio because those two minerals, very important to be in balance, right? That We need copper to utilize iron properly and too much iron can deplete our copper. So we just want to make sure they're in balance. But I just think it's super important not to just look at a hair test for iron status. I think you do need to look at a blood panel as well. But those are those are like the major things. There's there's digestive markers on here, like phosphorus and cobalt can give us insights into stomach acid, protein intake, digestion. And then cobalt also can be like a sign of like liver detox along with sulfur. There's markers you can look at to like see could iron be out of balance. Like this person's iron is low, but their chromium's a little high, which can be a sign that iron's a little bit out of balance. Their copper is also very low. So we need copper for iron. And then they have like very high calcium, which makes me think, are they taking vitamin D supplements? Are they super duper stressed? They have a lot of mineral loss, right? They've got high calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium, which means they're losing these minerals. This is an energy loss and it's a sign of stress. So my first thing with them would be like, what's, where are their stressors coming from and how can we start to minimize those? So that's just an example Of what a hair mineral test looks like. And then, you know, taking the sample is super easy. It's not a ton of hair. It's easy to do at home. You just, you're going to use that little scale. It's about a heaping teaspoon of hair. You put it in your sample and you send it into the lab. When it comes to other issues with accuracy, the other thing I think is important. So, when you're looking at research, I've put a ton of research articles looking at the accuracy of hair mineral testing. Cause I know this is not mainstream and I know that there's a lot of like pushback, but I think if you're looking at it scientifically that you're in a good place, if you're with the right provider, you're in a good place that will be accurate for you. The other thing you have to consider is the lab. So, what are the lab practices? Cause I think this is the hardest thing with the research around hair mineral testing and accuracy is repeatability. I do think this goes back to understanding the lab test, but like can this can someone's results in one lab be repeated in another? One, they'd have to do the sample at the exact same time because it looks at the last few months. And I think that's very different from what most people are used to in research because we're thinking blood work, right? A moment in time. So I think that's part of it. But also like, is the lab washing the sample? This is probably the biggest issue and why when people are like, where should I get a hair mineral test? I only recommend two labs. I recommend trace elements, that's the one that I personally use. That's the, the chart that you just saw. I think you get the most information from it. It's the easiest to look at, and it gives you the most markers. Analytical research labs, also a great lab. They are both transparent. They do not wash the hair samples beforehand, and they are very transparent with the actual process of collecting and then completing the sample. I, I, would, I personally would not use any other labs outside of those two those are both in the U.S. They can accept samples from other countries. I have in my on my website, on my Master Your Minerals page, at the very bottom, you can scroll down the FAQ, and it says what countries they can't accept lab test samples from. It's quite a few. If you are like, I want to get a, a hair test done, but I can't, like I'm in one of the countries where I can't send it to the lab, you can reach out to them. The email is there on my website and it says like, here's who you email and they'll give you a recommendation in another country. Cause it's, it's usually cause they have contracts with other hair testing labs in other countries. That's why they can't accept your sample. So they can refer you to someone else. But if you are, if labs are washing the sample, then this is going to change the test results. So you want to make sure that you're working with a lab that you trust and work and has actual solid processing guidelines or like standard operating procedures. So that's, that's like a big part of it. And then the last part I do think is on the person, right? There are things to take into consideration before you cut your hair sample. Number one, have you colored your hair? Like on on my, on my website, on the course everywhere, it says like, if you have colored your hair, you need to wait six to eight weeks. For most people it's eight. If your hair grows fast, it could be six. If you have highlights, you can cut the sample. Just don't cut it from a part that is highlighted. Do you have hard water? Because that can affect your calcium level. And I go through in the course, like how to know if you have hard water. Here's how to wash your hair with distilled water in the meantime, or get a water filter to get that extra calcium out. Most of the time, unless someone has like super, super high calcium, it's not always a huge issue, but that's important to keep in mind. Are you using medicated shampoo that has zinc or selenium in it? Because that's really common. And a lot of people that are wanting to assess their mineral health, one of their main issues could be like dandruff or dermatitis or something like that on their scalp. And so they do use medicated shampoos. You'd want to stop using that. And then I would say like, wash your hair with the distilled water, try to get it all the buildup out if you can, or just know that depending on what the ingredients are, that mineral could be off. Like I have a client that used one of those, but she's like, it was so uncomfortable for her to stop that I was like, you know what? It's only going to affect your zinc. So we'll just do the sample anyway, as is, and we'll basically like disregard the zinc. So I think it, it's like, you need the lab to be yeah, like obviously reputable and then you have to understand like the what your responsibilities are when you complete the hair test. And then finally of course the interpretation. It's not going to be accurate if you don't know how to interpret it or you're not working with someone that knows how to interpret the data correctly because it's, you know, it's a little bit more complex, but it I think once you understand it you're like, "Oh, all these minerals work together." So You know, if I have high calcium, these are other minerals I need to look at. I'm not just gonna look at calcium. And this is why I always say just work through your hair test so slowly. Like people in my course, I'm like, if your calcium is high and you're overwhelmed, just focus on that. There's plenty of things that you can work on. You don't and if I were working with a client, you don't immediately have them address everything at once. You do one thing at a time. So yes, you can get a lot of information, but it doesn't mean you have to address every single thing right away. If anything, you'd want to like go through things slowly. The, and some of the other benefits, you can do it at home. It's a lot less expensive. Uh, in my course, it's $99 for a hair test. I know you can get them online. I'm sure you can. The only thing, and someone had this question, is can I get a hair test online? I'm sure that you can. And I tried to Google it before this. It, I can't tell which lab they're using. So I think if you're going to purchase a hair test online, just email them and say, hey, where? what lab are you using for this? Because I've seen people have the trace elements online. I don't sell mine separately because if you get a hair test from me, I want you to know how to interpret it and what to do with it. So that's what the course teaches you. You can just buy the test from other companies. I've seen them. I just can't tell which lab it is. So you just want to say, hey, which lab is it? And they should be able to easily tell you that. So, it's not expensive. You can show early imbalances versus like waiting to see something out of range in your blood work years down the road. You can see it much sooner on a hair test. It looks inside the cell. You get to see the mineral relationships. And then you're not just, it's not just minerals. Like, you get to use that information applied to the different systems of the body stress, digestion, blood sugar, thyroid hormone, all those things. So, that's how you test your minerals blood, iron, urine, iodine, hair mineral testing, pretty much everything else. I think it's a beautiful combination and picture of your health when you can use multiple of those tests. But I also think for most people starting out, hair mineral testing is plenty. All right. I'm going to do the Instagram questions now, and I'm going to try to get through these as fast as I can (laughs) because I don't want to... I'm trying to make these episodes shorter for you guys, but it's really hard. Okay, um, I, I already answered this one. Can I do a hair mineral test if I have highlights? Do I have to wait the eight weeks? Just get a chunk of hair that's not highlighted, and you're totally fine. What does it mean if I have low iron in a hair test? So, yeah, so the, a lot of these questions are going to be single minerals. And I know it's annoying, but I can't really answer it because, I, like, hopefully, after I went through that hair test and showed you some examples you can even start to understand that, okay, so we can't really look at one mineral in isolation. We have to compare it to other levels. So low iron on a hair test may mean nothing. I would also look at your chromium. Is that high? Is your zinc high? Is your boron low or high? Um, Those are other, is your copper low or high? Those are other signs that your iron could be out of balance. But if you have iron concerns, then I would do an iron panel. I think that's like the best practice. Is it concerning to be high in zinc on a hair test? It, it could be. Like the first thing I think of is magnesium. So I think of, is this person deficient in magnesium? Are they getting enough magnesium? Because as magnesium gets used up, your body will then utilize zinc if it doesn't have enough. So usually, and most people are deficient in magnesium. So I would say like, look at magnesium. It can also be a sign of inflammation and just like stress. And then whenever I think of magnesium, I always think calcium. So like, is your calcium really high? Are you taking any calcium supplements? Or are you taking any? Are you taking like a really high dose of vitamin D, like five to 10,000 IUs or more? Because that will affect your calcium, which will then in turn affect your magnesium, which then in turn will affect your zinc. So it could be concerning, but I would just compare to your other levels. How often should one do a hair test? So I think this really depends on... The person, their main health concerns, even for like our one on one clients, like we'll do one at the beginning of the package and one at the end. So it's usually between like four and six months. I don't do it sooner than that, I just don't think it's necessary because again, it's showing the last three months of time. And then like, say someone has been working with me, like we work together for like six months or a year, they're basically in like a maintenance phase or they're just kind of like ironing out a few other health challenges, but they, they don't have like a ton of concerns. Certain things just take time. Then I would typically say probably like once a year, like I'm meeting with a client tomorrow and we're going to go through her hair test and she hasn't done one for like 10 months because she, she didn't really need to, if it's not going to change what you're doing, I don't necessarily think you need to do one. But if you have a lot of concerns and you're actively working on things, you're trying to figure stuff out, like if you had really high calcium and maybe you're doing iodine, like definitely redo your tests in like four to six months. Okay. What could be the cause of... Of being low in most minerals so i often see it usually it means you're like in the exhaustive stage of stress you've been either under chronic stress for a really long time that could be mental emotional that could also be physical i tend to see very low minerals with people that have a long history of gut health issues and sometimes people don't even know they have the gut health issues so that may not resonate with you but say for example like we're working with someone and they get we get their hair test back and it's like FAST4, this is their metabolic type, so they're like really depleted and their body's Burnt out and most of their minerals are low, then I'm almost always going to recommend a GI MAP stool test for that person because they most likely have some gut stress going on, even if they don't necessarily have gut symptoms. I often see this with people with histamine intolerance, mold, if they're having a huge reaction to mold, mycotoxin exposure, and then pain. Like, I think chronic pain is just so debilitating and stressful. My endo clients. I would say they almost always have like fast for low minerals. So I I mean I don't know the cause cuz I don't know you, but those are just some of the common cases that I see, low deficient minerals like across the board. Does HMA test for hormones? It does not. So it's looking at minerals which then you can use that information to understand your hormones. So like if you if you do and the next one is does it test your thyroid. It doesn't test your thyroid, but it has a thyroid ratio, the calcium potassium ratio because that can show you how you utilize thyroid hormone or if calcium's super high that can block iodine receptors which can, you know, we need iodine to make thyroid hormone, so of course that's going to affect thyroid function. So you get to see lots of thyroid insights. You also get to see like blood sugar, which has a huge impact in your hormones, digestion, stress. So it's it's showing you like all the different things that could affect your hormones, but it's not actually testing estrogen and progesterone. I would recommend a Dutch test for that, but I don't start with that. I just think we could probably guess <laughs> what your hormones look like based on your symptoms and your hair test or stool test. And it's very expensive. And it's one of those things where it's like, is it, is it going to change what we're doing? Probably not. Okay. Can an HTMA help you figure out the root cause of heart palpitations? I, yes. I mean, if you, it's it's like you would pair that hair test with your health history and your nutrition, and then that could help. So like potassium, very common. Potassium is very connected to heart palpitations. I see low levels on a lot of people or like really high potassium, like a lot of potassium loss connected with heart palpitations or like calcium shells like really really high calcium that will deplete magnesium which can also lead to heart palpitations. So it can I think it can help you get to the root cause but even when you get those mineral results you then have to look at why is my calcium high? Do I take a lot of vitamin D? Do I utilize calcium supplementation? Am I if I've been under a lot of chronic stress? Do I uh, am I deficient in magnesium? That's a very common reason for excess calcium. So you still have to look back and compare it to yourself, but it's definitely can help you get more to the root than any other lab test for heart health. Uh, how soon before trying to conceive should someone test? So. I mean I, it depends on like your current health I mean I think most people should start working on their preconception health at least a year and I know that's not great to hear for a lot of people but I think at least a year before you want to conceive because so often I'll get women that come and they're, they do a hair test and maybe they do a stool test and then they get pregnant right away and we haven't even finished working on everything which is like fine in the long run but then maybe they had a lot of stuff going on in their gut and then they have more symptoms during pregnancy and we didn't get the chance to rebalance and fix it before they were before they conceived. And I don't think you need to be in perfect health before you conceive. I was not and I you know I had eczema during pregnancy and I think in like some tendon issues that I think I could have mitigated if I did work on my gut health a little bit more before but I also don't regret it. So I just think it's one of those things where if you if you have a lot of health concerns I give yourself at least a year probably two if you are in generally good health and you're like I just want to be like proactive and preventative then I would say six months because you'll see the last three months and then you can work on stuff and then you can retest right before you conceive ideally or right after you conceive and then you can see the changes and see what you need to still work on okay what books can help you understand your test I think Trace Elements and Other Essential Nutrients by Dr. David Watts is a great one. And then The Strands of Health by Rick Malter. He's a PhD. That's another good one. If I go through the Master Minerals course, once I get my test, what happens? Do I get a protocol created for me? So if you go through my course... You get your test, you send in your test results, my amazing VA Katie emails them to you, and then from there, you go through the course yourself. So I have it broken down into all the different sections of the test, and I go through, here's what it could mean if you have this, and then it goes through questions like, here's the possible things that could cause it, which ones apply to you, you kind of connect the dots, and then there's a protocol section that has templates for different common mineral patterns. So like really high calcium, really low calcium, really high copper, low copper, high iron, low iron. I go through like sodium, potassium, all that kind of stuff. Do you have like really a lot of liver stress? Here's some tips for that. So there are protocol templates you can easily follow, um, but you can also edit them and make them your own too. So we don't give you a protocol you would get it through the course and you have to apply it yourself. I do have an option and someone asked this, can you cover the different options you have in addition to the master minerals course, if we want to connect for a review of our hair test. So for those inside the course, you can get a results review. So that's when we do a video recording of us going through your test, and then we make recommendations in a protocol. So if you're like, I don't want to do it myself, or if you go through the course and you're like, I want a second opinion, you can do a results review. We open them up every month and everyone on the list gets emailed. And then uh, if you you can bypass the course and all of that and just do one-on-one, we do take one-on-one clients as well and you don't have to go through the course or anything like that. We just work with you one-on-one. Some people, a lot of people from the course will do it. I would say most just do the results review because they don't need the one-on-one, but we have a nice growing list of one-on-one clients that, I mean, I love one-on-one. I, I think that's where we get like some of the coolest work done, but the course was my way to make one-on-one more accessible to everyone. So those are the different ways. We also offer GI maps, so stool testing and hormone testing results reviews inside the course as well, because some people do need further testing, but you don't have to do any of those. You could just do the course. So- and let me see what's the cheapest way to get a hair test. I would you could definitely google like hair tissue mineral analysis. I've seen some websites like selling the trace elements ones, but I'm like how is this real because when you sign up as a provider, you're like not supposed to do that. Like you you're supposed to like teach them how to read it. So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Again, like you could get one online. I would just reach out to them and say, "Hey, what company is this test through?" And if it's trace elements, or analytical research labs, and I would say you're fine. But that is it. So that is all the different ways you can test your minerals. That's how I utilize minerals, te- different types of testing with clients. Um, I answered a ton of the Instagram questions, questions about the course. I hope that's helpful. If you want to join the Patreon to get the bonus episode, you can go to patreon.com forward slash hormone healing, RD. And I will see you in the next episode where we dive into calcium. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Are You Menstrual podcast. If you want to support my work, please leave a review and let me know how you like the episode. This lets me know like what you guys want more of, less of. I read every single one and I appreciate them more than you know. If you want to keep learning, you can get access to the bonus episode and additional resources on patreon.com forward slash hormone healing RD. I'd love to have you in there. Thanks again. And I will see you in the next episode.